Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Come on, you all can do better than that. Give God some praise this morning. Hallelujah. I know this looks a little different, but somebody, look at somebody say, change is good. The Bible says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. A new thing. Y'all give God some praise for a new thing this morning. So good morning. Good morning. It's good to see all of your beautiful faces in the place this morning. So uh, without further ado, what we're going to do, like the uh, video said, is we're continuing on in our Hope series. If you don't know if it's the first Sunday with us, welcome. We're so glad that you decided to join us. You could be anywhere in the world this morning, but you decided to fellowship with us. We are so grateful that you decided to do so. But we're continuing in the Hope series. We, are, uh, we were teaching a series from the Hope Quotient. It's a book by Ray Johnston. He's a pastor at Bayside uh, Church in Granite Bay. Thank you awesome book. If you haven't read it, we encourage you to do so. But this morning, we're going to talk about uh, unleashing hope. Uh, We talked about hope not being a luxury. It's a necessity. It's not something that's fluff and imaginary, but it's something that's very real, very tangible, and very attainable through Jesus Christ and his grace. Amen? So uh, this morning, we have our eldership, our senior leadership before you this morning. Y'all give them a good hand praise this morning. And if you don't know who I am, my name is Atira, and I'm the Minister of Music here, and I'll be moderating the the conversation this morning. So we're just going to have a real relevant conversation about unleashing unleashing hope in your marriage and your family. So we're going to go down the line, and here's what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to introduce yourself. Tell me how long you guys have been married and how many children you have. Yeah? Okay. Starting with you. So I am uh, Pastor Donald, uh, the teaching pastor here at the Building Christian Fellowship. This is my lovely, beautiful bride, my good thing, Raquel. Um, And we have been married for 22 years just this November. And we have four children. Four children. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) Oh, my name is Lionel Davis, Pastor Lionel Davis. This is my lovely wife, Pastor Jenny. We have been married... Just celebrated our 11th year anniversary yes. as of last month, and we have one beautiful daughter. Yay! Well, my name is Pastor Jr. How you guys doing? Youth pastor here, along with my beautiful wife, Erica. Erica. <laughs> We've been married for six years, and we have two beautiful children. Amen. Praise God! Awesome. So. That's, you learn a little bit more about our leaders every day, man. So, okay, so we're going to go jump right into this. So Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, and this is for everybody. I want everybody to answer this one, okay? It's, it says, let marriage be held in honor, esteemed worthy, precious of great price, and especially dear. What are some ways or practices you have set in place to ensure that you observe this truth in your marriage? And anybody can go. Anybody can go. Ready, okay. set. Okay. Okay. Uh, I would say um, that means to build my uh, husband up in 
um, words that are encouraging, words that wouldn't tear him down, uh, words that would build him up in his faith, um, and uh, um, to be honorable with my strength, to, especially like when we're not maybe seeing eye to eye or we're at odds that I'm careful. Um, I try to be careful with what I'm saying, especially in the heat of the moment. Um, but I don't always win in that area, but I'm trying to get better and better. <laughs> so how often do you argue? I'm just kidding. Including this morning? I'm just kidding. Does that include this morning and last night? <laughs> yes, sure. Round it up to the nearest 10. Amen. No, um, <laughs> no uh, I would say definitely building him up. I feel like I'm, that comes out of me a lot easier than it does him. I feel like he thinks it in his head a lot, just doesn't say it. And so I pull that out of him. I'm like... I got the mic. I, I, I'll say to him, so how, you know, what do you, how much do you appreciate me? Like, I'll say, we'll be sitting on the couch. I'm like, how much do you appreciate me? That's just where we are now. Before, I, I wouldn't do that. But now it's what I understand about our marriage is that I have to communicate to him what I'm needing so he can meet that need. Mm. I, I'm not going to let him just guess That's and just good. expect. And this isn't a fairy wow. tale marriage. Yeah. So I'm letting him, like, how much do you need? And he's looking at me like, Okay, he turns off the TV. He's like, okay, well, he's like, I need you. I love you. I'm like, keep going. So, <laughs> that's what that Did you means. want to respond? Yeah, I was going to respond. Um, everything she said is true. Um, <laughs> no, but, but I, I would say, like, in, in honoring our marriage, that one of the things that I've had to learn in the 22 years is the fact that I have to be verbal with my affirmations. My affirmations, just like prayer. Like you can't, so it ain't, it ain't no good that you just keep prayers on the inside to yourself, right? It hasn't come out of your mouth. It's, it's by the profession of our lips that we're saved, right? right? So by the profession of my mouth, I need to proclaim and speak over my bride. I need to speak over my wife and let her know because we, we quick to, to let them know when something's wrong, right? We quick, we quick to, to make our complaints known, right? But, um, it, it does no good if I if I hold on to the affirmations and the praise and the and the good that she's done and the things that I appreciate about her. She needs to hear that just like just like we all do. Whenever you know it's important for us to get an evaluation of of where we're at and how we're doing. How am I doing my job good or or am I just you know missing the mark the whole time? And you're just not gonna tell me. Right, right. That's good. What about you, Davises? What like what ways have you guys? Implement it so that you guys can uh, bring the truth of this scripture to life in your marriage. Um, for me, I mean, it's like because I, I'll just say it is, you know, for my business, we try travel a lot. Like I'm on the road constantly. So I try to remember, remind my well before I leave the house, you know, I'll kiss her, say, honey, I love you. Um, and we'll try to stay in contact throughout the day. A lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times I get busy with everything and I, t I forget that. So I want to just check in with my wife from time to time. But I try to remind myself, even when I'm on the road, even when I'm gone doing what I'm doing, to protect my, my, my mindset, my frame as I'm thinking throughout the day um, about my wife, to make sure that she knows that I love her, even when I'm out and about, you know what I mean? Um, when I get home, I try to always make it a point to let her know I love her, I greet her. Uh, in the house, you know, give her a kiss kind of thing. Um, make sure that when I am home, that I'm, I'm doing the things that will help alleviate the pressure from her in the house so that way she feels appreciated. Yeah. I try to remind myself, and I'm like, Pastor Donald, like, I think a lot more 
in my head than I actually verbalize what I say <laughs> to her. And that's something I'm working on, you know, and I'm trying to get yeah. better at that. So but I think those are some of the ways that, for me, to let yeah. my wife know that's that, um, you know, I love her. Aww. Aww. Um, when I thought about this scripture and this question, um, not to be overly spiritual, but we are in church this morning, right? We, we are here to talk about God. You know, when I married this man right here, um, it wasn't just two people entering into a marriage. There was a third person. Um, and the best way for me to honor marriage is to honor our marriage is to make sure I'm honoring God in my home, um, that I'm making sure to keep my relationship with him, meaning Jesus, current and up to date and consistent. And in doing so, he helps me, the Holy Spirit helps me then to be the wife that my husband needs. That's my prayer most of the time when I pray for Lionel is, Lord, help me to be the wife that he needs. Um, help him to be the husband that I need. Um, I don't think that it's, you know, selfish in any way that you tell Donald what you need. You know what I mean? That we're going to get into other yes, questions yes, that address yes. that. So I won't go there right now, but... Um, the only thing I will say is just that I don't expect him to be able to read my mind. Yeah. Um, and so, and that's, that's setting ourselves up for disappointment if we do that. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay, but good. I honor my marriage by honoring God. Yeah. And that's, we both do that, keeping him first. We know that as much as we love our spouse, as much as we care about our own self and our own needs, there's someone that comes before um, every, everything else, and that is the Lord. So, yeah. Amen. Butchers, Jr.? <laughs> Same question. In our very long six years of marriage. <laughs> so, you know, 22 years. Um, <laughs> one of the ways um, I especially try to honor John in our marriage is um, by being honest with him. Um, a lot of times, you know, I get in conversations. We still have very young. Our friends, we're young. Our friends are young. Um, so, uh in conversations with our friends, a lot of times, you know, oh, I'm mad at my husband or, you know, whatever the case may be for this, that, or the other. Um, my first thought is, well, did you tell him? <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I try to be honest with my husband. And um, a lot of times I end up hurting his feelings um, because my honesty is very, can be very brutal at a lot of times because I'm not very good um, expressing my feelings in a way that doesn't hurt. Um, so one of the things I've done um, is align myself with people who are older than me and who have been married longer than me um, who I can uh, address these problems with. Because what I'm saying isn't, ne isn't necessarily wrong, but how I'm presenting it is wrong. Um, so aligning myself and having conversations with um, these people up here and Pastor John and Pastor Kaya and um, a couple of other couples um, is uh, and taking taking advice and using that advice. It's one thing to uh, to ask people and say, hey, this is what's going on and this is what's wrong. But when you apply that, things change. Um, so that's one of the things that I do. Um, and then go back and apologize, you know, because my thing is what I said was true, so I shouldn't have hurt your feelings, right? Like, Whoa. it was true. <laughs> but when he comes Whoa. back and says, hey, Whoa. you hurt my feelings when you said it this way. I understand where I've messed up, but you hurt my feelings, or you did this, or I felt this way. I have to acknowledge my 
my mistakes, right? And being uh, mature enough to say, what was, I said was true, but I shouldn't have hurt you in that way. Um, how can I have said it better? Or how would you have liked me to approach the situation? Um, and taking that and using it the, for the next time, because another problem is going to arise. Or there will be another, you know, he didn't put the dishes in the sink moment, you know? <laughs> they happen. Um, but um, fixing the way that I speak to my husband has been a way that I've honored him. Um, just to piggyback on, oh yeah, yeah, please. Okay, yeah, yeah. You are on it today. In your prayer closet. Um, just to just to piggyback on what my wife had said, um, not only just leaving space for honor in your marriage, but time for honor in your marriage is giving each other that grace to know we're not always going to come to the table in the best mood. We're not always going to come to the table with the right things to say, but allowing each other that grace to be like, hey, sis, you're tripping. Like, hold on, let's take a moment. Go back to where you need to go to. We'll come back and we'll talk about it. And not just, you know, allowing, you know, that, that scripture where it talks about, like, not going to bed angry and stuff like that. Like, of course, we're, we're angry at times, but at the same time, we take the time to be like, get out what you need to say and let me show you how I, I'm, I'm best loved and how I best receive things. And that's how we commit to growth. Like, we're going to have hope in our marriage. we got a plan for the future. So it's like, okay, this is how we're going to fight if we're going to fight. We're going to fight fair. And so that's one of my things. Uh, for me personally... Um, it's honoring Erica as a daughter of God and not just as a wife and as a mother. Um, because it's really easy to honor somebody when they do something for you, but it's a lot tougher when you have to honor them because God has commanded you to do so. And so when you come from that place of me just honoring Erica for who she is and not just for what she can do for me, um, that, that automatically follows because through time, you know, we've, we've quite literally grown up together. We got together when we were 17, um, got married when we were like 21. So we've gone into adulthood with each other. And so, um, uh, you know, we, we both come, become adults with each other. I've seen her become a wife, seen her become a mother. And way before all of that, I knew her just as Erica Bossett, my friend. And so honoring her as a person, as a, as a, as a husband, giving her the time um, to sometimes come home, even when I'm tired, to go, hey, you know, I got it. Let me at least just clean up the front room, do what I can. Or I got the kids, you go out. Um, this season, we're doing growth groups. Make sure you do growth groups this time. You do EHS so you can be at your best. And then in the next season, maybe I can be at my best. It's just kind of having those, those ebbs and flows in our marriage to making sure you have that room and that time to honor each other. That's what's up. This is good stuff, especially for people like me who are married. I'm just gleaning the wisdom who are not. I'm single. I'm not married. That's what I meant to say. Sorry. I'm single, guys. So... But just gleaning the wisdom from you guys, because it's like, you know what, I think there's a common myth that's going to segue into my next question for all of you, for you guys is uh, there's a, there's like the myth of completion that, you know, once you get married, oh, all the problems, all, all is right in the world, all the problems stop. But it's like, no, you're still individuals. You still, you know what I'm saying? And there's still honor. Honor is absolutely necessary. Um, so that leads me to the next question I have for you guys. Uh, Ray Johnston states in the book that any marriage can be stronger, closer, and more stable by building a hope-based foundation. And he reviews five ways. And the five are uh, giving up unrealistic expectations, give up Hollywood's myth of marriage, give up fixing the blame and start solving the problem, give up focusing on yourself, and refuse to give up. Um, which one of these building blocks stood out most to you and why? We'll start with the Johnsons. Um, so the one that sticks out to me, 
the first two actually kind of coincide together, which is giving up unrealistic expectations and then giving up Hollywood's myth of what marriage is. And I kind of think that all of us in this room have been primed from an early age by Hollywood what romance, what marriage, what relationships are supposed to be. And um, we, we spend most of our lives in that area as far as relationship and romance chasing an ideal that they've, that they've planted. Um, and so we're, we're chasing, we're chasing, you know, something that, that will never catch. Um, and, and basically we've been programmed to believe that marriage is something that God never intended for it to be. And so, uh, a lot of times we end up finding this, this, we, we find ourselves frustrated and disappointed once we're in a relationship or in and out of relationships or in and out of marriage because uh, I didn't sign up for this. Well, if you, if you understood that marriage is not defined by the state, um, but it's actually an ordinance that God ordained in his word, you would realize that, that man cannot redefine what marriage is and um, that, that it has actually been an ordinance that he established between man and woman to reflect uh, Jesus coming back for his bride. And so uh, for me, I've been able to, to unlearn this uh, unrealistic and, and uh, fantasy-like uh, expectation that I've, that I've grown up with by uh, understanding that it's not a performance. Because what we watch, what we see, and how, it's a performance. It's, it's people that are in character, not people that have character. And so that's what it takes in order for you, in order to, to have a successful marriage, is that both of you guys understand that you guys are developing your character by, by, by uh, developing your relationship with Christ. And as the closer you get to Christ, the closer you'll become to one another. And so uh, definitely, uh, lastly, the big thing is not giving up because marriage is work. Yeah. I know, I, I know we're, we're taught that, you know, boy meets girl, you fall in love and you ride off into the sunset somewhere. No, nah, kids come into, in, into the situation and that becomes another uh, challenge and a dynamic and, and a, a, a demand on your relationship as husband and wife. And you guys are constantly navigating. And I think one of the great things about marriage is the fact that you you get to to learn each other. You're constantly learning each other. Uh, for for my my husbands and 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 uh, men out there that desire to be husbands, the Bible tells us in all our getting, get an understanding. Learn how to dwell with your wife with understanding. And that's been something that I've I've constantly been doing been been doing since you know the beginning is is learning and trying to understand my wife and being a better communicator so she can understand me. You're, yeah, that was good. Just, I don't have a, a long thing to say. I just, he, he is getting to be a better communicator. He's, Donald's a really good uh, communicator, but when I need him to read, uh, when it comes to words, he's really good with words, but when it comes to emotions, that's when I'm like, I tap, tap in and I'm like wanting the connecting part of the emotions. Because communication isn't just one facet, it's multifaceted. It's posture, it's, um, you know, more than just what we're saying. It's like connecting to the heart of the matter. And so I appreciate um, that with my husband because he's done a great job with that. 
in our marriage recently. And one of the quotes from the book that I really like, I don't have thing, anything else to say, but it says, opposites um, attract and then opposites attack. <laughs> yeah, so it's true because, I mean, think about this. So and think how about has this. his opposite attacked you, Raquel? <laughs> Tell us. No, no, but think about this. Because this is, this is one of the things that, they, that goes along with the whole Hollywood myth is, is we don't ever really get to see the, the healthy side of the conflict that comes about in the relationship because a lot of it has to do with the fact that you guys are opposites. And, and, and we think a lot of times when we see these, these, these uh, stories and stuff that we've had that we grow up with, like, oh, these people get along so much because they're just alike. Well, the problem with that is, is that that's not, that's not realistic. Because if, if both of us are just alike and we agree on everything, one of us becomes irrelevant. Right? And so we need that opposite. We need that push and that pull. Like, if both of us are tired at the same time, it, it, it's, it's a wrap. Like, when, I, when I'm down and I'm, and I'm weak, I need her to be strong and to, to, to help encourage me and build me up and vice versa. We need to, to, to be able to, to have that push and that pull. When I need a good pushing, she needs to get behind me and maybe use a foot to do that. Are you following? And vice versa. Like when she needs, she needs to be pulled into this because she's reluctant. I'm encouraging her and pulling her into what it is that she needs to come into. So that's why that 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 needs to, you know, be a thing of opposites. That's so good. The Bible talks about two are better than one. You know, um, the Davises. I know you were chomping at the bent, Jenny, just to kind of go in. No, no, because you had started to kind of go into this this you know about the myths thing. You want to expand a little bit about which one stuck out to you the most? Well, yeah, I, I, I would say they all stick out to me, um, quite honestly. Um, but I kind of did pick the same ones as, as the Johnsons, so I won't, like, beat a dead horse or anything like that. But it is, we're talking about hope in this series, right? So one of the biggest things that contends with our hope is disappointment. And the reality is the more we uh, have these unrealistic expectations, this Hollywood idea of what marriage is, we're going to constantly be walking around disappointed when our spouse doesn't meet our needs. A lot of times, sometimes expectations are only unrealistic because you haven't expressed them. It's unrealistic to think that your spouse can read your mind or know what you need or know that you, what you want, like Pastor Raquel was saying in the first response. Um, it's unrealistic for me to expect that he thinks the same way that I think. Um, and so the only thing that's keeping your expectation unrealistic is because you have left it unexpressed. And there is a way to, um, this, is, this is your best friend. This is your safe place. This is the one that... Um, you can do, like Erica said, Pastor Erica said, about being kind in the way that you express what your need is if your spouse is not meeting that need. Um, rather than sitting around getting frustrated, being disappointed, which is going to contradict your hope every time, the reality is you're, you're setting yourself up. I'm setting myself up to be disappointed if I have not expressed what my expectations are to my spouse. And the reality is most of the time, because Newsflash, your spouse loves you. Like, they want to know what your expectations are, what your needs are. Like, it's frustrating to them that they're like, I keep trying and I cannot make this woman happy. 
but we watch the Hollywood movies all the time, you know, the Hallmark movies, the Lifetime movies, the romantic comedies, and especially us as ladies, we have built up this ideal of what the perfect relationship is supposed to look like and forget that we live in a very imperfect and broken world with broken and imperfect people all around us, including our spouses. You know what I mean? We're not gonna reach that level of perfection uh, till we get to heaven one day. We live in a broken world, and so we've got to reevaluate what our expectations are, take the pressure off, take the heaviness off of this relationship, and it's just amazing the the lightness that comes and the freedom that comes um, in that moment. You know, this this give up fixing on yourself. Like, that's the, kind of the problem is that we're, we're, we're thinking all about what that other person can do to meet my needs. Because when we were dating, they made me feel a certain type of way all the time. I felt beautiful every day. I felt wanted every day. I felt appreciated every day. Life is different. Like you said, marriage is hard. We think being single is hard. I got news. Being married is hard. They're both hard. Because like I said, we're not live, this is not our home. This world is not our home. It's not going to be perfect ever. There's going to be hard times. There's going to be difficulties. And you're not always going to get your way. And I think like we know that in our heads, but then when we actually go through it and experience, it's a much bigger challenge than we realized. And that's what entering into a marriage, we think that, okay, I got somebody to go through all this stuff together. This is awesome. This is great wait a minute, he wants to do this, and I think we should handle it like this. Now, what do we do? Now, what do we do? Because we're supposed to make all our decisions together. Oh, you know, he's like, you just submit and do what I say. And she's like, well, wait, I have an opinion and idea too, and I think it's better than yours. You know what I mean? Like, those are realities of living as a married couple that you don't have to live with when you're single. Like, you get to make all the decisions. You get to decide where you're going out to dinner. You get to decide what movie you're going to see. You get to decide. And I just wanted to say to you, you, just go ahead and prophesy it. Just go ahead and prophesy it. Yes. Um, But it's, it's, uh, it's about giving and taking. Kind of Pastor JR was touching on that a little bit, the ebbs and the flows. Like, you're not going to win every battle, but we got to be okay with not winning every battle. And then not rubbing it into the other person when their decision ended up not being the right one, but you supported it. No, that's not my job. That's, that's Holy Spirit's job. You know what I mean? Let's not, as spouses, it's really good because we know nobody else on this earth better than our spouse. And it's real easy to think, well, let me just be Holy Spirit in this situation, you know, remind them <laughs> that they were wrong and I was right. You know what I mean? Like that's, no, that's not going to cultivate a good marriage. It's how do you feel when you're wrong? That's what I usually remember. Like if, if for some reason, he very rarely makes mistakes, you guys, very rarely. But when it happens, you know, I think about how, <laughs> were you about to say something about that, Donald? I saw you grab the mic. But no. Uh, I was just going to say, the, the thing is, is that you choose your heart. Yeah. You, get, you choose your heart and you got to deal with it. And unfortunately, some people's picker is broke. That's that, you know, we, we pick and choose and yeah, you choose your heart. Either one is hard, but. Yeah. Use your heart. Would you agree with that, Butchers Jr.? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was going to say something, too. I mean, I we picked both the same thing, giving up unrealistic expectations, but also focus, uh, give up focusing on yourself. Um, I'll just make this brief. I had a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. I grew up with him. We were in college ministry together, blah, 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 blah. 
but he's a pastor now, and he told me a long time ago, he's like, one of the things that I made it a purpose to do is to study my wife, become a student of my wife, to learn who my wife is, her, her likes, her dislikes, just become a student. So that way you begin to learn her, and that way you guys begin to kind of move in, in, in the same rhythm, you know what I mean? Um, and now I'll be the first to admit, <laughs> I still struggle with this, but... The more I am around my wife, the more I learn who she is, her likes, her dislikes, her desires, what she wants, what she wants to accomplish, her goals, her dreams, things like that. And I align myself up with those and the Lord helps me walk through those things. Then the more we begin to grow, not just together as a couple, but we begin to grow closer to the Lord. Because realistically, this is this is just me. Marriage is not necessarily supposed to make you happy all the time because you're with a person, totally different personality. They have their own wants, desires, needs, whatever, opposite of yours. But in a marriage, especially as serving the Lord, our marriage is supposed to sharpen each other. You know what I mean? And make us holy, help us grow closer yeah. to the Lord. And so that's the way I look at it. You know, my goal is to just be as much of a servant to her as I can. Forgetting about myself, because realistically, the more I serve my wife, if we're, re- if we're real about this in marriage, our goal is to outserve each other. So we get closer to each other as well as we get closer to the Lord. That will attract other people, whether you're single or not, okay. whether you're Christian or not. That will attract other people to say, man, you know what? Yeah, they're two imperfect people. They don't have it all together, but yet they love each other and they're serving each other. What in the world is going on with y'all? How do I get to become like that? And that brings them to Christ. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's the way we look Amen. at it. Definitely. Um, was there anything else, the butchers, you guys wanted to add to that? Or no? Okay. So this brings kind of segues into the next question that I had. Because um, another one of the things that you see a lot is, is oh, we're just incompatible. And one of the things that the author, one of the quotes that the author put in the book was incompatibility are grounds for a great marriage, which is kind of opposite to what we you know what we've seen what we've heard what we we've even sometimes experienced right so what i want to ask uh, i'll start with you guys butchers how have you guys uh perceived the incompatibilities between the two of you and how has this quote uh changed maybe your 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 perspective on it <laughs> interesting enough um my wife explained a little bit before she's much more direct or i'm the person that knows how to like sweeten up the words and like well, what I'm trying to explain to you is the blah, 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 or talk around, she said, or talk around something. But <laughs> what I've realized, too, is what made us both better is that wherever I'm lacking, she has, and wherever she's lacking, I have, and we make each other better. And it's not that we complete each other. It's Christ who completes us, and we come together as two holes that come together. So those of you that are pursuing marriage, like they were saying earlier, whatever problems you have now is going to be amplified when you get married. Just letting you know that now. Right. But... Um, what, what I've noticed with our, our, and that incompatibility, if you want to say it like that, where I'm a person that's not as like direct or not as like, I don't know, I don't know use the word aggressive, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like in that sense, um, we, we make each other better. Like she's mentioned to me before, she's like, you're so much different than you were when we first got married. Not in the sense like, I'm just like this whole other person, like going crazy, but she's like, you've grown so much in like just our five, six years of marriage. I'm like, wow. And it's, I think, honestly, what God has been working through us, but just us growing together and those opposites kind of 
not necessarily being abrasive with each other, but we're polishing and refining one another because we've both been in a place where it's not just one of us that's been connected to God, but both of us have been connected to God. Both of us have been praying. Both of us have been uh, seeking our relationship with God. So even in those differences, you know, we're, we're able to complement each other. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Everything that he said is true. And I think, um, I don't think I know, uh, especially after we had uh, Mariah, our oldest, our daughter, who's um, almost five now. Um, after we had Mariah, things changed in our marriage. Mm. Um, we were extremely like, oh, we are the same person. You know, you like this, I like this. You like sports, I love sports. And then we had our daughter, um, and I felt like my life was changing. Uh, what I was able to do, um, what, I was, what I was able to do in ministry, what I was able to do at home, um, having this be home a lot, um, having this little person attached to me at every given moment um, through the day and night, um, it was hard. And he didn't always understand that that was difficult because he worked outside of the home and he was, you know, and I was mad that he had to, he got to eat lunch outside the house. You know what I mean? Just, <laughs> just little stuff that I was like, man, I would love to go to a restaurant for lunch today by myself. Facts. Um, <laughs> and so those incompatibilities started to be highlighted. Um, they, they came to the forefront and I remember crying all the time. Like, why is this so hard? Um, and being mad at him because I'm like, your life just seems great right now. And you get, you get a wife, you get a kid, you, you get to go to work. Your life is great. Um, and I'm like, my life just seems so much more difficult. Um, and I remember I had a conversation with Pastor Kaya, and she was just like, um, in the, the ways that you guys, um, in the things that you are not liking in him at this moment, one, it's an unrealistic expectation because from what we've talked about, it was like you didn't tell him what was going on or how you felt or what you wanted him to do, how can he fix what's going on? And two, are you praying for him? And not only are you praying for him, are you praying to be the best wife that God wants you to be for him? Because it's easy to pray for him and be like, well, God, he need to fix this and he need to change and he need to be up at two o'clock in the morning with this baby and <laughs> Lord, let him make a bottle. You know, like just those things that we are like, Lord, fix him, because I'm fine. I'm not doing nothing I'm wrong. Tired, right? I'm tired. But what, um, switching that pers perspective and going, Lord, how can I be the best mom? How can I be the best wife? What in me needs to change so that I can, one, live in the joy that you've given me, and two, live in the marriage that you've given me and be the best person for him that so that we can grow together and not try and grow separate, if that makes sense. Because yeah. I felt like he was growing and I, was, I had to be in this place where I had to fall back. Mm. And that wasn't the case. We were just growing for the first time. We were growing in two different ways and not necessarily growing at the same pace together at the same time, doing the same things. And so just really asking God, mm. how is it that I can be better so that in our incompatibility that we can grow compatible com compatible together that that's good because i, I want to piggyback off of that that's that's definitely right on the money because 
with the fact that we're we're opposites, the fact that we are different, um, both joint heirs, right? Equally, we're joint heirs, but different in our responsibilities and our roles, right? Very different than what we hear in society right now, right? Society's all about equity, equality, right? Everybody even. And that's not, that's not what God intended. And so being the fact that we are different and that's all, that, that can also be a, a potential challenge to our relationship, not only do we need to pray on our own and pray for each other, I'm trying to get better about this, but praying with each other. Because I know for me, for me it's, it's, it's a little uncomfortable for me to pray with her. I'm just putting that out there. I'm just admitting that. It's, it's just something. I don't know what it is. It's something weird. I have no clue, I'm, but I'm getting over that hurdle. But it's praying with her. I have no clue what it is. But praying, I'm fine praying by myself. I'm fine with letting her pray by herself. I don't know. Maybe it's because we just are different. And, but coming together and, and praying together makes a huge difference, and it makes us closer in our bond together. So it kind of just eliminates and makes us look past the whole, the whole opposites and the differences. That's good stuff. Is anybody being helped this morning? Y'all t- taking, taking good stuff, notes in my heart. I'm taking notes in my, in my heart. I'm taking, taking notes in my heart this morning. Okay, so another, another myth that it talks about in the book is that it is impossible to, see, to infect or make positive change in your marriage. What I want to ask you guys is um, what impossibilities have you uh, overcome or are you overcoming right now? And what has given you hope or what is giving you hope in the midst of it? Any one of you guys can answer. Let's talk about the Davises. Y'all tell me about an impossibility. Um, well, one of the things, I don't know if you guys all knew, but where are we last year? Was it last year? That we have the, the diagnosis as far as... Uh, Technically this year, yeah. Oh, well, no, last year you were diagnosed. We had a... a Jenny was diagnosed with cancer, basically a biopsy. We didn't know what it was. We went through, um, found out everything was going on. After the holidays, then we were scheduled to go in to really go and find out exactly what the results were. We were, you know, thinking that this is just some minor whatever. At least that's what I was thinking. So I really didn't pay too much mind. She was a little bit nervous, but I was thinking, okay, I'm always the optimist thinking, okay, I'm hoping for the best, believing for the best. No big deal. We found out it's cancer. So now this is a type of cancer that can basically kill you. Well, like all cancers can, but realistically, this is one that they caught early. So when we found out all the information we need to do, they told us, okay, this is these are the things that we need to do, the steps we need to go through. And so anyways, long story short, um, all this went into treatment. She had surgery, removed the cancer 100%, so she's cancer-free, so we thank the Lord for that. But somebody told me, somebody said this, and it it it, it, it didn't make sense, but yet it made complete sense. On the other side of hope now is the reality of what you are now walking into, the new season you're walking into. So while, you know, Ginny's cancer was eradicated, Thank the Lord for that, because a lot of people, my, my, my aunt didn't make it. She had uh, cancer and a tumor, and it, it, it literally took her out within months. So 
we're now walking through this season, new season, and we're trying to navigate and, 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 and asking God to, to, to help. Because, I mean, with hope comes a whole, like I said, a whole new season. Now we're learning, Lord, what do we do? How do we, how do we navigate this new time? Because there's now all this extra stuff that we got to deal with because of this. So we're praying and believing, and, and I, I, just being point blank honest with y'all, my hope this year has taken a hit. You know, and I've been like, me personally been struggling because I, you know, my, I love my wife. I don't want anything bad to happen. And I'll, I'll go to bat and I'll, I'll go to war with anybody. I don't care who you are, what you, whatever for my wife. But at the same time, I'm like, these are things I can't, I can't, I can't fix. I'm a fixer, right? So whenever I see an issue, I'm like, move, get out of my way. Let's do this. Let's get this done. Fix it up. Move on. And I can't do that. And so it's made me realize that I have to now more than ever depend on the Lord for my own strength, yeah, yeah. much less my wife's. You know what I mean? As we walk through this new season. And so I look at, at I'm looking at this from a, a perspective of um, trust, trusted in the Lord more than I ever have. Yeah. And in more ways that I thought I knew, that I thought I was doing. And then I realized that honestly, it was really in myself. Wow. Trusting in my, my own ability, my own capabilities of moving and doing what I need to do and it really was like misplaced you know what I mean and so when I look at at this I'm just my hope has now been kind of re I have to re-pivot yeah. and and put my trust and my hope really in the Lord because of this new season that we're in you know what I'm saying so good stuff man uh Johnson's you guys want to talk about an impossibility in your Marriage, like, you know, how did you guys, you know, get through what's given you hope in working through the impossible? Um, I would say having confidence that we just got to keep living, mm. like just keep living um, when it's difficult and hard. And um, like we were talking about, uh, marriage isn't a fairy tale. It's real life. I heard someone say marriage is uh, a death march to uh, a life camp. And so marriage is something that we're both walking out together. And, um, and so for me, it's building confidence in the fact that we're going to get on the other side of this. It's not going to look the way that maybe I, yeah. I expect it's going to look. And uh, to also mourn the losses because there's expectations that I have a lot of times. And if I don't mourn that loss, that I can't move forward in hope. Mm. So, and that comes with parenting. That comes in our, my my. Uh, connection and my my uh, uh, closeness with my husband like I have to okay in this moment what are my expectations okay they're not being met okay let me go to the father let me pray and a lot of times my prayers are God have mercy on me because um, I, I'll tend to want to attack in my prayer life <laughs> like God fix my husband or you know God um, uh, you know you know minister touch and and um, uh, you know, show yourself to my to my children those are great prayers but um, I find that when I'm asking God for mercy personally in the situation that I'm in, because I want resolve, that the Lord comes in and gives me his perspective. And he also gives me his heart because my love can be sometimes conditional. Well, no, my love is conditional. And, but without God, I, it won't be uh, unconditional. So I, uh, most of my prayer time is like, God, have mercy on me. Like, I don't want to pass you by. I don't want you to pass us on. Like, I really want to get through this. So God, change my heart and 
we, we're, we're, we're living, we're here, and <laughs> there's hope. There's hope for the future. So that's my Amen. answer. Amen. Uh, as far as, oh, did, were you going to say something? So uh, moving more into the family aspect of things, all of you guys have families, and I love that each of you guys are in different stages of having children. And uh, <laughs> what I wanted to ask you guys is, um, how open are you guys to feedback within your family, and how important is it to you? Is it like, ah, it's irrelevant, I run the house? Like, what's your perspective on that? Any, oh, go ahead. Okay, your, okay, your... okay. I'm smiling because they, they have teenagers. They have seven, eight-year-old, and I have a four-year-old, very opinionated four-year-old. I don't, if y'all have seen her run around this church, she's got things to say. And so, um, it, for me, it is extremely important to get her feedback. Um, and I think a lot of times, um, and I think it's important to me because I didn't have a voice as, growing up as a kid. It was not my place to say anything was wrong, anything was right. You sit down, you be quiet, and you, you, you're here for the ride. Um, until you turn 18 and you're out my house, then you can say some things, maybe. Um, <laughs> And it was very difficult for me um, becoming an adult. And I'm sitting, especially even now, um, I, I feel those things come, come back up into fruition where I'm in these room with this, these very wise people who know their word in and out. And they ask me my opinion. And I'm like, I can speak? <laughs> you know, it, because, because of how I grew up. And so for me, even though she still has this, uh, she's very young. And she has these uh, kind of, I don't know how to say it, but Disney-esque ideas of how her life should go, <laughs> wanting to have tea Hollywood. parties and picnics all the time. Yeah. But this, taking what, her, what she wants and what she's desiring and deciphering it into reality. Because when she's like, oh, mommy, I want to have a picnic. Can we go have a picnic today? And I'm like, oh, I'm busy. But making note of that, she wants to spend time with me. Or she's not feeling like we're spending enough time together. Um, or hey, mommy, is, is daddy's at work again? Okay. And then letting him know, hey, Mariah wanted to know if she could spend time with you. Um, you're, we're not spending enough time with her today or right now, and we're busy, and we need, we need to take the time to spend time with her because her opinions matter. They might sound, uh, you know, kind of trivial. The things that she might say are kind of trivial, but they matter um, and so it is my job as her mom to, to hear what she says so that she can grow up and be the woman that God created her to be in its fullness without having to take so many steps backwards and trying to fix so many things um, that maybe I have caused in her life or didn't allow her to be. Um, so that when she walks into a room, she's not only walking into a room confidently, but knowing who she is and who God created her to be. That's good stuff. Um, there's some other questions I want to get through, and I know we're running out of time. This next question is geared for the Johnsons, and here's why. Uh, Ray Johnston talks about when it comes to, you know, raising and infusing hope with your kids. <laughs> he talks about uh, not letting your teens intimidate you. Don't be intimidated by your teenagers. And I want to ask, uh, what do you find intimidating about raising teens? <laughs> Everything. I'm just <laughs> From the moment that they wake up to the moment that they go, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I'm really not. Um, 
really not. Wisdom's Teenage- hanging on every word right Teenager now. Teenager-isms. <laughs> they're all in here, too. They're looking at me. <laughs> Teenager-isms. That's what I call it. I'm like, I'm in the teenagerisms. Um, so what we've been learning is that um, as they're getting older, they're, they're starting to figure you out, starting to figure me out a lot more. And there are times that they come to me and I may not agree with how they're seeing something, but I want to understand them. And so though I may not agree with what they're, they're saying, I'm leaning in so I can understand so they can feel heard. And uh, because that's showing honor to them. Uh, I never want them to feel like uh, they can't come and talk to me. And if they are feeling like they can't come and talk to me, that's an opportunity for me to step in. And I've learned is to say, what is it that you need from me? What are you needing from me? Well, they're like, uh, money, um, <laughs> shoes, uh, food. Um, and I'm like, okay, no, what do you need? Do you need a hug? Do you, do you need me to sit down and lend my ear to you right now? Hugs are free, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I think what I'm finding with teenagers is that they need a belt. (laughs) Listen, listen, no, listen, listen. They need boundaries. They need encouragement. They need love. And they need time. That's that's the belt they need. They need need boundaries. You were using the wrong belt, mom, all Using the wrong belt. Using the wrong belt, right? No, they need a belt. They need, they need boundaries. They need encouragement. That's they need so love, good. and they need time. So good. And it is. It's, it's very intimidating because, like, so to give you my background, for, for, for years, I've worked with at-risk youth. I've dealt with teenagers. And so I've always dealt with teenagers from the perspective of giving them directives. When I had teenagers... I started out the same way, giving them directives. And it's very frustrating in that element because in the other element where I'm dealing with them, they have to follow my directives or the consequences are severe. As opposed to I have these little people that are growing into big people and sometimes they end up being bigger than you and and that messes with their perspective not knowing that they don't have the wisdom that goes along with that. And so now I have to understand that directives alone are not what are what gonna work it's not gonna work in this situation. I can't I can't use a hammer to drive a screw in. Are you following? So so I have to use different tools. I have to access the different tools. And so now I have to understand that while they were little, I could give them directives and they almost follow them without any question. Now that they're older and they're developing their own mind and their own personalities, that now I have to understand, okay, now I have to show them by, by motivating them. Now it's, now it's direction with motivation, giving them the why. Because when they're kids, it's like you don't do a whole lot of why explaining. But now at this age, now we're, we're, we're going into uh, going from being the, the, the person that's directing and dictating to the person that's more along, more along the lines of being a, a teacher and a, a, a coach. I'm not saying be your, best, be your kid's best buddy, your teenager's best buddy. They, they, they'll have time to find that, but 
now I need to teach them and instruct them. And that's where the whole belt aspect. So I go from the belt of correction to the belt that I just introduced you to, which is the boundaries. Understanding this is why you need boundaries. This is where I'm encouraging them, encouraging them in whatever it is that, you know, you get a glimpse of their gifts and what their abilities are. So now I need to encourage them and foster an environment that's going to help them grow in those, in those gifts and those abilities. And I need to love on them, meaning that I love them even when they're not acting lovable. When they're, dis- when, when they're coming out, when they've got a little too much bass in their voice when they're talking to me, right? Um, and, and, and then make sure that I give them time. Like, I'm not being, being impatient, allowing them to go through the process of really applying these things, which come with a lot of mistakes and a lot of repeating yourself. Yeah. yeah. Right? So knowing our two personalities, Donald can come off as intimidating with them, which would make them want to come and talk to me rather than with him. Then can place a wedge between us. Does that make sense? So it's real important for uh, us to soften our strengths, to uh, recognize our strengths, because it's important that uh, he's intimidating. No, I'm just kidding. And, um, no, seriously. It's, okay. Listen, hey, no, so check this out. This is, some, this is something that we had to get on the same page about, because what would happen is a lot like, like Erica explained, she's at home in the home front taking care of things at the home front with the kids. And I'd be away at work. And when I'd come home, she would weaponize me to discipline the kids. Listen, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm being serious. She would weaponize me to discipline the kids. And now I already have the issue of being kind of intimidating. I also have the issue of where my personality type is forceful. I have the personality type where I'm very direct. And so now my relationship with my, my kids ends up being the disciplinarian all the time. And so I had to establish the, the, the thing of really empowering my wife and explaining to my kids that this is the authority that dad has when I'm not around. Empowering, her and let, empowering my wife to let them know that we're on the same page. You're not, you're not going to pit us against each other. Yeah. And so uh, we, had to, we had to make sure that this was solidified and that this was unified, and we uh, don't allow them to split us. Because that's, that's what we see. Again, going to the Hollywood thing. You see that all the time. Oh, don't ask, don't ask dad, go ask mom. And so we had to, we had to be strategic about it. Because you got to think, man, our kids are exposed to so many things, and uh, they pick up ideas from, from different places. And a lot of times they'll find their way into our homes and pop up and try to, you know, infiltrate but um yeah that was that was a big thing is is not allowing ourselves to be intimidated by the point to the point of where it drives a wedge between us yeah you know uh, we don't have teenagers obviously but we are the right right but we got like 20 of them figuratively we've been youth pastors for a little bit here but we learned a lot from um the other pastors uh parents in the church but what i wanted to say just as youth pastors, you know, we never necessarily want to replace the role of mom and dad because we can't. What we can do is endeavor to keep the unity of the family. And I say that to say because we're a church and we're supposed to be unified and whatever is going on, and it happens, we all have different seasons in life where everything's not coming together, everything isn't right, family is, is, is feuding. But as the body of Christ, as members of this church, that we do everything that we can to support 
kids to go back to their parents and unify and come together. Not make suggestions to say, well, you're not doing this right and you're not doing that right. It's more so if a kid tries to come to you for advice, it's like, hey, I'm going to direct you back to your dad because he loves you. He might not seem about you, but let me give you perspective to help you go back to the unity of your family. Because anything, you know, in our experience that we've had moments where because we're younger and the kids think that, well, you guys are, are cooler adults. And it's like, no, go listen to your mom and dad because you're tripping. And what you're getting into is going to get you hurt. And so having that mindset of keeping the unity of the body and that also includes the family and that also includes the marriage um, is absolutely important. Absolutely. And he's not lying, man. We have a wealth of blessing in our youth pastors. We have a wealth of blessing in our youth pastors, youth pastors that lay down their lives for our young people. So parents, be encouraged that when you send your kids to Elevate, you're not sending them to some glorified babysitting uh, daycare for teenagers. No, they're coming in here and they're 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 helping to reinforce the godly principles that hopefully you're giving them at home. And uh, it's you, you know it's that it's that whole uh, philosophy of a village raising raising the kids. That's good stuff, man. All of you got those great answers for all this. Um, we're going to end it with this last question, and I'll have one representative from each couple give a brief answer. Um, so 3 John 1 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. What does preparing your kids for the kingdom of God look like? Anybody? Um, if I can give my brother Carlos a shout out. Uh, years ago, he had taught a Bible study and not parenting your kids in fear. Like, I don't want them to do what I did when I was their age. or I don't want them to make the same mistakes, but you empower them to make the right decisions. Um, I think especially as parents that are Christians and are believers, we want our kids to walk in those same footsteps. But as parents, the very best that we can do is create more and more opportunity for them to know the presence of God and to make those right godly decisions. So equipping them to make those right decisions so like Donald was saying before a little bit is that the only time that your kids experience the presence of God shouldn't be at church, should be at home as well. So it shouldn't be, you know, heaven at church, but hell at home, if you get what I'm saying. So um, a part of that um, in preparing your kids is not, you know, is teaching them how to pray. Like, I love the fact that my, my four-year-old makes it a point. Like, I know for those of you parents that have kids under five, sometimes you're trying to throw them in the bed and close the door. And like, y'all have been tripping today. But I, I appreciate not just, like, to pat ourselves on the back, but the fact that my daughter makes it a point, Dad, we didn't pray. Okay, she finds that important. Like, right now, her verse is, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Because, you know, as little kids, they get nightmares been watching something crazy on Disney or something. But <laughs> the fact that she recognizes the power of God and his presence and his spirit, that whether she's experiencing something real or imaginative, she knows that I can call not only on my physical parents, but on my heavenly father to come and give me help and protection. And so little things like that, instilling the principles of God in your everyday life is what's going to prepare them for life. If they see you being the same at home that you are in public, that's going to help shape their, their viewpoint on this, this belief, this thing that we go to church for every week is real and not just a thing that we do in public. Chime in on how do you yeah, let me just say this. I was I was gonna say something funny actually, but um, but I just think that our kids, you know, you, you've heard it said by people who sing songs, and I can't think of the person who sang this, but I know you guys are gonna know it immediately. But about how our children are our future, right? 
Uh, who? Oh, okay. So I, I, didn't, I didn't know who sang the song. I just know I, I know the song. But the thing is, realistically, just like I'm going to piggyback off what Pastor JR said, our kids are our future. The Bible talks about that you need to train up a child in righteousness, and when they get older, they won't depart from it. I've seen so many times, like I, I have a somewhat of a, a kind of background, kind of like uh, Pastor Don was talking about. When I, back in the day, I used to work at a group home, so I, I would see the end result of kids, teenagers, who were parents abandoned them. They were they were state wards of the state, and and we would see the end result and having to deal with just basically kids out of control. So I look at like I'm thinking of our daughter in particular. The more we instill in her the word, the more we instill in her relationships and how, how godly relationships are, godly people are, things like that, the more she's going to grow up and see that and look at that as normal. You know what I mean? And she's going to continue to serve the Lord. She's going to have that instilled in her. She's going to go out, and as she grows, she's going to be strong and, get, and grow in that. And that's, that's the way I look at it because I want, I want to be able to look at not just our daughter, but we have a whole lot of kids in our church, just this church here, that are being taught the word of God to the point where they go home and they're, they're telling their parents, hey, I learned this and, and I'm growing in this and this is what this means and things like that. And this is how, how they grow. So we begin to instill the word of God in our kids. Literally, they are our future. When we grow older and we're gone, they're the ones who are going to be running. And if we instill the Lord and, and godly principles in them, then that's where we're going to be leading as a nation, as, a, as a, an area. You know what I'm saying? Um, I just wanted to kind of go along with what's been set up here is uh, it makes me think of the scripture that says, um, Bible says, to love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Discipleship starts at home. Um, discipleship is, is, you know, training and, and loving and um, serving uh, your, the family, those that are in your family. And so I think, I know that that's what the kingdom of God looks like in our homes is discipling our children, discipling one another. Um, that's loving our neighbor as I'm loving myself. That's so good. Um, you guys give God a hand praise for the panel discussion this morning. Um, couple of things that I wanted to say as we, as we bring this to a close is um, I felt a shift when we started to talk about the family, as particularly children. And uh, I wanted to just say, it's because, I feel like it's because, or I sense that it's because there's been a lot of parents in here that have been experiencing hopelessness when it comes to dealing with their family, dealing with their children, whether it's a estranged relationship, whether maybe one of your child children are like out and this is not the way I raised them or anything like that. But I did, I felt, I felt a parent's heart, a father's heart, the father's heart come into the room as we begin to shift the discussion to talking about uh, how to build hope in our children, how to build hope in our families. And today as we're closing, 
I, if you're, that's you in this room and there's no judgment or anything like that, if you have been in here and you are, you are experiencing hopelessness in the area of, of your children, of like, man, I've done everything, I'm at my wits end, or maybe it's just like, Lord, I'm at the stage, they're growing, getting older, I've never been in this place before. Um, if that's you, just raise your hand this morning, because I want, I want us to, we're going to pray for you, we're going to infuse hope, we're going to come together and rely on the embodiment of hope, who is Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. Uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to minister hope to you this morning and believe that God is going to empower you with his word, with fellowship, with a godly community to surround you and, and because you're not alone. And that's one of the biggest lies that the enemy would like you to believe is that you're by yourself. You're an island. There's no help. There's no hope. Well, we're here to dispel that lie this morning. So if that's you this morning, you've been experiencing hopelessness in your family, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your children, uh, whatever it is, uh, as the leaders are coming up this morning, if that's you, go ahead and uh, either raise your hand or you can come to the altar. There's no judgment. And I encourage you, don't be embarrassed. Don't let shame keep you in your seat. Shame comes to keep you silent. Silent even from asking for help and, and gaining the help that you need, gaining the encouragement. Come on this morning. Come on. Jesus, Jesus doesn't just show up and want to leave you the same way that you came in. The Lord is in this room this morning. And if that's not you, if you're filled with hope, then just start praying for the people that are coming up this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, you can still come. You can. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And as, as people are being ministered to with hope, if you're in this room this morning, I don't even know, and you don't even know what we're talking about as far as the hope, embodiment of hope. Let me tell you something. The embodiment, there's only one embodiment of hope, and that is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And he came to seek and save that which was lost. And he didn't come in the world to condemn it, but that through him, the world may be saved. If you're in here and you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus, Come to the altar right now. We'll pray with you. We'll, we'll break it down with you. We'll go over it with you. What it means to surrender your life to Christ. What it means to have him as your Lord and Savior. We want to do it. We don't want you to leave. If you want to receive Jesus, come to the front. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So it looks like we're all believers in the house this morning. What I want you guys to do is, is, is people are receiving ministry this morning up here. If you could stand to your feet, all that are able to stand as we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for walking the aisles of this room, Lord. We thank you for uh, pointing out and grabbing our hearts, for arresting our spirits this morning, Father God, and calling us to the greater purpose, Lord, of hope, Lord. God, I thank you for the hope that you've given us through Jesus Christ the son of the living God, Lord. I thank you for, uh, for giving us a, a hope that lives, Lord God, a hope that is an anchor for our souls, Lord God, to carry so that we're not carried away with every wind that blows about. When life comes to destroy us, the storms of life come to shipwreck us in our emotions, to shipwreck us in our faith. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us a hope that is an anchor for our souls, Lord God, that we may hold on to faith as faith holds on to us, Lord. Father, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice, Lord. I thank Thank you that they leave this place 
infused with a hope. Hope that is not an illusion or a mirage, but it is real, living, and tangible. Father, I thank you that as we leave this place, Lord God, you go with us, Lord. I thank you for every person that is up here in the altar, every family that is represented here, Father. I thank you for every relationship, that you would mend ancient wounds, Lord God, that you'd mend broken relationships, Lord God, that you'd mend the dysfunction, that you'd bring healing, Lord. Healing right now in the name of Jesus. Peace like a river right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you. Let it be theirs, all the desire. Let it be theirs, Lord God. I thank you for unity in the homes, Lord God. I thank you for mothers and, and, and daughters, Lord God. Hearts united, Lord God. I thank you for fathers and sons coming back into fellowship and right standing, Lord God, not just with each other, but with you. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that family is near and dear to your heart, Lord, and it's the very reason why you gave Jesus to come and die on the cross so that we could be together, united as a family, Lord. Whatever separated us, the sin that separated us stands no chance against your love. And I thank you that your love abides. I thank you that your love rules in the name of Jesus over every heart in every home, Father God. I thank you that you're mending, you're, 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 you're rebuilding, Lord God, everything that was broken. You're restoring newer, better than it was before, better than new, like only you can, Father. So, Lord, we just thank you, and we declare that it be done in the name of Jesus. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Father, I thank you for those that are far away, Lord God. I thank you for the parents that are under the sound of my voice that have children that are far away from you, Lord. I thank you that even now, as your, the parents have been faithful to you and to your house, Lord, I thank you that you're sending laborers across the path of people that are far away from you, Lord God, that they can come back to the kingdom, that they could learn of you, Lord God, that they would come and return to you, Jesus, that they would repent, Lord, and receive life everlasting God we thank you for it right now in the name of Jesus Lord father I thank you for what you've done in this place I thank you for the word that's gone forth Lord I thank you that we would be burned into our hearts Lord into our minds that we would meditate on it Lord that we would ruminate on it Lord God father God that we would trust you as we declare your word moving forward and I thank you Lord as we leave this place Lord God never ever will we leave without your presence that you go with us Lord be with us throughout, throughout the week, Lord God, and bring us back at the time appointed, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord. There is no one like you, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness towards us, Lord. You set your love upon us, Lord, and we are forever changed because of it, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for all these things, and we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. We all agreed and said, amen. And amen. Come on, give God some praise this morning. Hallelujah. 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 So this ministry is still continuing at the altar. And uh, just be respectful of that. You guys are dismissed. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Go with God. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.